When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we will look back at the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's scout the game week. This week, I am joined by the lovely as from, well, I was going to say from FPL Black Box, but also now from FF Scout 2. As thank you for joining me. How Indeed. are you? I'm very well. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. We just had a bit of a catch-up that went on for way longer than it should have before we hit record on this. <laughs> it's funny, how, how are you doing? We've actually been talking for about 45 minutes. So I, know, <laughs> I know everything. I know exactly how you're doing, Sam. <laughs> exactly. You know exactly what's going on in my life, which is not a lot, given the lockdown. Um mm. Let's start by kind of getting into a bit about you then. I don't want to spend too long talking about you because anybody who's anybody in the FPL community will know who as is. But let's talk about a bit oh, about my Black ego Box. is going to soar off this. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about Black Box because Black Box for me is, I just love it. Well, as you know, Lee and I both normally watch Black Box whenever you guys are on. <laughs> so do you want to tell us a little bit about it and about how Mark came to be part of this with you? Yeah, well, it was actually, you know, a lot of people don't know, it's my, my idea and Mark came to me, which is a, seems a bit of a miracle. Uh, I, I started it a couple of years ago. Uh, it was just, I just wanted to do something. I was doing the scout cast. I just wanted to do something of, of my own, really. So I just started, the, I, I'd read the book, Black Box Thinking, and I was like, oh, that's, that's really interesting. I think I make so many mistakes during the season. Maybe I can analyze these and kind of learn from them. So started doing just a, I mean, I, uh, look at the, the difference in, in quality between the streams we do now and the ones I started early on. Uh, it's, it, I didn't know what I was doing, just tried to get something out. So yeah, started doing those. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beginners, proper noob. Uh, but yeah, started doing those. Uh, and then, yeah, and then, well, just, just, just about half an hour long, I think, just kind of reflections mm. on, on all the mistakes I was making. Yeah, and then uh, beginning of this season, Mark obviously was wanting to come back into the FPL world. Uh, so saw that I was doing those and sent me an email and said, you know, really like this idea. Uh, what do you think about kind of partnering up? And the thing about Mark is he's so obsessional about stuff. Mm. He, you know, he said, you know, I agreed to it and I didn't really expect it to have got to where it is now with graphics and you know he's he's making me buy expensive microphones and expensive <laughs> cameras and and you know he's doing sound checks for engineers and he's he's brilliant because he really pushes and drives stuff on and he does sort of the main body of the content because he likes doing all that and I'm I'm kind of the, the well I'd say the pretty face but the face 
Um, and he's definitely the brains of it, but it works well. I think people seem to be really enjoying it and it's a lot of fun. So it's yeah, a really, really on. nice dynamic between the two of you. I think that's the thing is that sometimes because they are long, they're not exactly short, um, no. short pieces of content anymore. Um, but yeah, we never so intended in- for them to be that long. No, like, they were supposed to be really an hour. They are engaging throughout. And I think that is why I like them so much is that you, you sit there and you, you can be on there for a couple of hours and not realize that you've been doing this for a couple of hours and I think you know that's credit to how how good it is to the both of you because oh, I think that you work really well together like because you are quite different in the way that you do things and the, in the way that you're kind of playing the season um and, and yeah, I one like of us that. is doing well one of us isn't that's about <laughs> I wasn't gonna say <laughs> that <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that um but it's, it's good and it's fascinating to kind of listen to the insights and I know that you know ahead of um last week and there was a lot of chatter about um captaincy and, and Lee and I spend a lot of time after we've watched a black box kind of going oh what are you going to do then are you going to you know Captain Kane on the back of that or are you going to do this and and I think that's what what's really good about black box is that it opens up your own kind of conversation in your head so it's not necessarily giving you the answers of you should do this it's more like you know these are some information and then you take it and interpret it in a way I that have not paid Sam to say this just for anyone listening this is all <laughs> off our own back no this is this is all, this is all my off this, Sam. <laughs> thank you um I think yeah <laughs> I, I really like it I think it's fascinating and and you know we've been we have been known on one of your really really late night ones to start watching it downstairs and I'll be like I really need to go to bed and then we'll sort of go we'll be upstairs still cleaning our teeth while still listening to you and Mark <laughs> kind of chat about whatever it is because it, it is kind of compelling and we kind of don't want to go to leave it out I suppose but yeah, I mean, I, I love it. For anybody that hasn't watched an episode of Black Box yet, definitely make sure you do. Um, it is incredibly good. Rather than inflate your ego anymore. Uh, shall we I get know. into talking well, about that's what great. happened? Enjoyed that. <laughs> in Game Week 28. <laughs> because Game Week 28, well, I don't know about you, but for me, it was a bit of an unmitigated disaster, to be honest. It was just oh, another okay. one of those Game Weeks where the players that I was expecting to do something just didn't um mm. how did it go for you was it a good week another meh week <laughs> I mean I had I had stones and Cancelo so okay. it, it wasn't a complete disaster so I know if, if you didn't so you talk about Pep yeah, Roulette I didn't I, I I got lucky this time had the right had the right to um but I mean everyone else blanked like, literally mm. everyone else in my team blanked um and you know i was you, you look at the first game often your game week is dictated by how the first game goes and that, yeah. that aston villa newcastle match and that last minute goal for newcastle really killed me because i had a double villa clean sheet plus i had target as well so he was on for about 15 points at one point and they stripped yeah, his assist off, off him hole. they concede yeah so it was if i hadn't had stones and Consuelo, it would have been it would have been terrible but luckily i got lucky with that but captaincy i mean fernandez salah Gundogan, like all the all the big guys, Kane, all blanking, oh. um, and it kills it's... you when the captaincy goes. It's like you know. So for me, obviously, I was on Captain Kane, and as a Spurs fan, like, the weekend was just pretty much an, just a disaster. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have the two Man City boys that you just talked about. I do have Diaz, who of course did play and got a clean sheet. But I'm looking at it thinking, oh, well, that's a bit meh because you know yeah. the other two have got what they did. I did have Luke Shaw, who has been yet again you know yeah he's been great so really pleased Mm. with him um and then I got an Ollie Watkins assist but other than that it was kind of like that's it Shaw's been a really frustrating one because he's he's someone who I think most people identified you know weeks months ago as being a really key 
player and that his stats are off the chart. You know, I like keep in clean sheets now, but just with this blank coming up, it's just put you off. It always put me off getting yeah. him in. Actually, yeah. I do wonder if there's something around that of, of, you know, have we focused a bit too much maybe on the, on the blank game week coming up? It's a bit late now. I'm not going to bring him in now with, with the blank, but you know, three or four months ago, if you bought in sure you, you, you're quids in. Yeah. I mean, I bought him in, in game week at the end of game week 23. So the Justin injury, was a was the cap, the capita you know that was the moment where I was like right I just have to have a replacement and I was sort of looking ahead to 30 or to 29 at that point but I was equally thinking who's got nice fixtures for now as if there's somebody that's got both then great but if there's somebody that hasn't because we weren't really sure at this stage who was going to be playing in the blank game week we had the kind of all the chatter in the community about you know would there be some other games that might make it but we didn't really know for sure um, so I bought in Luke Shaw at that point, and since then he's just been phenomenal. Like he's he's had hauls on a number of occasions and has been really good. So he's now one of those players where I'm like, I don't really want to take you out ahead of game week 29 because no. I know you don't play, but I no. I want you even with the fixtures that are, are a little bit difficult after after game week 29. But your attacking potential is is great, so I, I want to hold him. Um, so he's probably likely to be one of the ones that ends up on my bench for game week twenty nine mm. because he's he's one of the players that I'm not yet sure that I'm ready to get rid of. There are a couple of others after their performance in game week twenty eight. I'm particularly thinking about Salah, who I'm kind of like oh, I can't see any value in keeping you longer than well the next five minutes. In, in reality, I held him for this week. Just because I wanted two transfers going into game week 29, it felt like a good decision to have two transfers to make a couple of changes just in case something bad happened in 28. And my goodness, did bad things happen in 28. Um, But now I'm looking at Salah thinking, surely Yotta looks like a far better option at like half the price. Yeah, and, and Salah's a frustrating one because if you had sold him, you probably sold him for Son, Bale, mm. Aubameyang all blanked or you, you moved over for Kane and he blanked. So it was a good week to sell him because again, he blanked and the signs have been there, but no one really delivered. So unless you went for someone a bit kind of left field who, who did get some points, you, you you weren't really benefiting from it this week, mm. but going forward, I mean, this is this now I think is, is, is the time to sell him because yeah. you've got, you've got the spur. I mean, Son's injury, I think he would have been a perfect switch for me personally. Uh, Bale, I love Bale. I'm sure you do as well, but he's, he's <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not entirely convinced on, on his minutes and in his form, I think he, I still don't think he's got the full backing of Mourinho. So if, if he, if he doesn't perform, he's the first off, you know, he's lucky to get 60 minutes, I think in, in the last mm. game. Um, but yes, Salah, Salah has to go, I think. And, and I'm going to be wild carding in, in 31 probably, probably. Yeah, me too. And I, I, I can't, I can't see sticking with Salah. I think Jota is, is, is the man to go for because he's. Yeah. Because the fixtures are nice. Better. Yeah, yeah, Liverpool fixtures are nice. So you, they look like you want to invest in them. But Yotta does seem to have, he doesn't seem quite as jaded. Salah seems jaded to me mm. watching him play at the moment. He looks a bit, you know, like he's missing that spark of magic around him. And of course, Liverpool have been with the, the players that they've had out. But they've got some players back from injury now. And I was expecting to see a bit more kind of oomph about Salah. And we just didn't really get it. But we did get a lot of injuries in game week 28. So we obviously yep. mentioned Sun already. Bamford is still a bit of a doubt, although looks like from what Bielsa said yesterday that he might be okay. Traore went off injured. We had Dan Byrne, who I'm sure you'll have some views on and what that might mean for Brighton defensively went off um, and Saka. So we kind of got a number of players that would have been quite 
quite important in people's game week 29 plans disappearing off to injury in 28 what what do you do about these guys do we I think with Sun we're pretty certain he's not going to play particularly given Mm. Mourinho's comments around if he plays he's probably going to have to go away with South Korea the week after and he probably needs that time for recovery so he's probably the only one there that we're we're sure isn't definitely not going to play or actually probably burn as well but what do we do about the likes of Bamford Traore do we just keep them and hope or do we transfer them out and then be annoyed if they do play in 29 yeah it's true I mean hopefully the press conferences give us a little bit more of, of a clue some of these guys if, if they all stay I mean Bamford I think the signs are that he that he looks good for okay. him yeah and you know I, I wouldn't be using a transfer to get rid of him despite yeah. about because he's probably a player you want to keep longer term although Leeds attacking wise have, have, have gone off the boil a bit maybe a bit harsh I mean their, their stats are still good and they've been unlucky against West Ham I mean the amount of chances they had in that game particularly you know they, they should have got something um so yeah I, it's hard to say I mean I, I, would, I would just wait for the, for the press conferences I mean if they are injured then you've got to think about uh kind of a, a bit longer term so what, what's interesting is going into 29 some of the some of the fixtures are just aren't so good so like obviously Spurs have Newcastle which is a great fixture Leeds have Sheffield United great fixture United have Brighton um as well I mean they haven't got the game but you know you're going into that thinking you can you can use a transfer to swap out for a for a bright for a United player to Shaw is a good example of someone I'm looking mm-hmm. to, to bring in um and and Villa Villa have Fulham like good game so some of these games you know do actually look really good so if you are using a transfer to bring in a play with a game this week a lot of these players do have a decent game Going yeah. into 29. So West Ham as well against Wolves. At that point, exactly. That's, that, that's why the week after I think looks a better week to, to yeah. play it. So I think if you if you if you have got an injured player and you and you want to move them out, this is a good way to do it because you move them out for a player that's got a game and then you've got another game from them. You know, mm. the week after the week after. So Arsenal are the are the are the tricky one because then they've got Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so well, let's like, talk about Odegaard Arsenal. Someone, yeah, yeah, Arsenal. because. Really interesting. Obviously, it was the North London derby, which is always, always a fascinating match, or always hell, depending upon which side you you <laughs> sit on the on North London. For me, it wasn't great this time around. Um, Aubameyang for me is the interesting one because he was the player that I was kind of looking at as one of my potential buys for game week twenty nine, because I think sometimes going into twenty nine, given that there's going to be a lot of managers out there that don't have a full team. I was kind of looking at Arsenal thinking they might be some nice differential picks in there. Mm. And, and Aubameyang's prime example of that, right, as a differential pick. But then he's late for the match and gets dropped. And <laughs> it kind of makes you go, mm, OK, particularly as Smith Rowe, I thought was really fantastic during that North London derby. He had a really brilliant game. And from what Arteta was saying, it seemed to be Smith Rowe that took Aubameyang's place in the team when mm. when he was late. So... Can we invest in Aubameyang? Should we invest in Aubameyang? Smithrow, Erdegaard, are there better options across the Arsenal team? Or do we go rogue and look at Tierney? Although I'm not sure clean sheet's there against West Ham. Yeah, I think defensively, I think given they've got West Ham, who I think will score in that game, then they go into the Liverpool match. Defensively, I'm not, I'm not too sure about them. They're, they're a funny team, Arsenal, because they could... I could see them something like losing to West Ham and then beating Liverpool. They, they although West Ham at the moment is is a quite a big game, so maybe they they do tend to step it up. I, I mean, in, in these kind of bigger matches, they've had some good results this season. Um, mm. I like the look of the attack, though. I think particularly that these two games, I think they they should get a goal against West Ham. 
um, and they should score against Liverpool as well. So Aubameyang is, a, just given how few premiums there are, fit for, for one thing, also with mm. a game and, and delivering. I mean, there's only really him and Bale this week yeah. who, who've got a game over about 9 million who, who look half decent. And I do actually quite like the look of Aubameyang in that game against Liverpool. I think the, the disciplinary thing, I think you can look a bit too much into it. It's, it's not going to keep him out longer term, you wouldn't have thought, just it, being it like... Won't. It's not like it's an injury, turns no, up late, exactly. Arteta makes a big thing of it. And I think kind that... of has to, right? It's his part of the policy, to. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that, that game was, was big for, for Arsenal going forward for FBL. Because if they lose that game to you, that's mm. it. They're at the top four race. They've got no chance. They're f- yeah. purely focused on the Europa League. Whether they go through in that, we'll, we'll find out tonight, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've won that game now. So really, if they do get knocked out of Europa, they have still got a real chance of, of getting back into the into the top four. They're, they're mm. an outsider, but he will go for it. So I think that makes Aubameyang a better option. I think for me, it's between Aubameyang and, and Udegaard. I, I was really mm. impressed with, with Udegaard again. I really like Saka as well, but obviously he's got the injury doubt. I think stats-wise, yeah. Saka is the one standing out. But Aubameyang for me is an easy move from Salah. So I think that's probably what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up doing. Yeah, I, I feel like Aubameyang is a is a sensible option, like you say, for the next couple of weeks. I don't think I'd want to hold him long term, like right no. through to the end of the season. But because I've got my wild card in play, it feels like I could have him for this week and I could have him against Liverpool, who I just don't see them not conceding the way that they are at the moment defensively. Uh, so it feels like Aubameyang could be a really nice... Dif- it's a straight choice for me between going Aubameyang and going Bale. Um, and, and we can talk about the, the yeah. two games for next week in more detail. But I think that's the decision that a lot of FPL managers will be making. They'll be mm. looking at their midfield thinking, well, I could get both because I'm happy to lose a couple of players. But then that's probably points hits. And this is another thing we can talk about in a minute is how many points hits is going to be the right thing. Because if we get a game week where the premiums blank like they did in 28, again in 29, this could be a very, very low scoring game week, mm. given the lack of fixtures that we have anyway. So from in my view, you know, points hits have to be taken very carefully and with a lot of considered thought for the player, particularly this week, because the opportunity to make it back is is just yep. much more limited. Before we move on to look at game week 29 specifically and those four matches that we do have, just a quick shout out to a team that don't play next week. So Leicester obviously were very impressive against Sheffield United now. In part, of course, that's because Sheffield United are just horrendous at the moment they're obviously in a bit of a in a bit of a dip of form to say the least although they will get a new manager bounce hopefully uh, yeah I'm trying my best to be nice <laughs> to to Sheffield United because actually they were phenomenal last season and it's really sad to see what's happened to them mm. this year but from a Leicester perspective I was really concerned about Leicester when the Madison and Justin and Barnes injuries happened I was like this is we're going to have a, a repeat of what we had last season where they're going to just mm. fall from grace and miss out again but Ian Nacho, in the last couple of game weeks, has massively stepped up to the plate. Now, I know that people listening will go, yeah, but Sheffield United were just, they were awful. Their heads went and, and they, you know, they, they conceded five. But I was really impressed with him. That's two weeks in a row I've watched him. Obviously, you're not going to bring him in for this week because they don't play. But longer term, Leicester options, in particularly players like Ian Nacho, could they be good differential picks to kind of get you through till the end of the season? Or are these players that you're kind of thinking... Ian has never done this beyond one or two games and never, ever will he see the light of day in my team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, f- five goals in three games for, for anyone, you have to kind of think, okay, is this is this someone who I, who I should be considering? He's 
I mean, he had so much promise uh, at City. You know, he was, yeah. when Aguero was injured, I think he stepped in, he, he played really well when he signed for Leicester. I think they, they paid quite a bit for him, didn't they? But yeah. Was it about 30 million? Or am, I just, am I just making that up? Um, but yeah, he, he, and then he signed, he just never really, never really got going. Um, it would have been interesting if, if Fardy had, had gone to Arsenal. I wonder if he would have been given a more kind of prominent role, but he's been kind yeah. of relegated to this kind of bit part, bit part player. So it's hard to judge. I haven't seen anything from him apart from the last few games to make me think he can he can step up and you know be part of a top four team when, while he's been in a Leicester shirt. But I mean he's cheap. I mean he's five point seven, and it's kind of mm. coming at a time where some of the some of these players around the six million mark just aren't really doing too much. I mean Bamford, for example, is someone it's who gone off the boil. Gone off the boil. His his ownership's fifty percent. So you could you could switch him to Inacho and 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 try and you know. To capitalize on that and hope that he actually carries it on. I mean, Antonio as well. Antonio hasn't looked fit in the games that I've seen him play. Well, since I've brought him back no. in, uh, gets about sixty minutes and looks like he's gone off a cliff. Yeah, doesn't he? he does. He's, he's he's, I've, ne- I've never seen. I've never seen a player just stand there before. Like, just no. looks like he's like made of stone. Can't even can't even walk, let alone run for a run for a ball. So uh, that is yeah, that is a bit of a concern. And then you know. You look, you look around other other six million. I mean, Chay Adams has, has started scoring now. Obviously, kind of as I sold him, but I still don't. <laughs> you you know, like if me. you're asking me straight up, yeah. If you ask me straight up between Adams and Inacho, I don't think there's too much in it. So, no. yeah, he, he is, is, there's definitely potential there. Um, yeah. I don't think I'll, I'll I'll go there unless he unless he kind of continues to to show this stuff. But it's yeah, someone someone to consider for sure. And I think given that they've got Man City in game week 30, it's not somebody that you're necessarily going to be mm. thinking to bring in straight away. But I just think he's one to keep on the radar. He, he has really impressed me the last couple of weeks. And if he can continue to do that, I can't see any reason why he would lose his place in the team. And therefore, maybe might be a nice differential punt towards the end of the season. Well, it's the, when it's the thir- 32 to 35 period. Yeah. They've got West Brom, Palace, Southampton, Newcastle. I mean, that doesn't get a much better run than that. So... That's going to be around the time when people are wildcarding and things. And yeah, I think he's a pretty, he could even be a pretty safe, safe punt for those, those four. Because if he stays in the team, he should, he should get something from, from those. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's turn our attention to game week 29 then properly. Obviously, we've only got the eight teams in action this weekend because of the FA Cup fixtures. So I think probably what we'll do this time around is we'll just go through the, the four games um, and have a little chat about who might be the best yeah. players to, to take a punt on for this week. Also sort of thinking longer term as well, because if you're going to take hits, which some managers are going to want to take some hits this week to get to as near as 11 players as you can, these are going to want to be, as you mentioned earlier, for players that you are happy to hold for game week 30 Mm. as well. You do not want to be taking hits for players that come game week 30, you look at your team and go, what have I done here? I've got these players that have got difficult fixtures and I don't really want them. Because the wild card does seem, if you still have it, to be best played ahead of game week 31. That seems like an ideal place for it to go. So we'll go through in order then. Let's start with the Friday night game, Fulham and Leeds. Now, a lot of players, a lot of FPL managers will be invested in Leeds already because of the double game week that we've just had a couple of weeks ago. So Rafina, Bamford, Dallas, they're going to be popular, popular picks across the Leeds side. I actually only have two Leeds players, uh, just Bamford and Dallas. I never did the Rafina thing. And in some ways that's kind of worked. So although he did have that amazing double game week where he should have got like 50 points and just was phenomenal, but nobody finished anything. Since then, every time I watch Rafina, I'm really impressed. He looks great. He puts in great balls. He's in all the right places. But the lead side just don't seem to be able to 
finish off what he's providing for them. What do we think about this game? Because I think this one is is a really interesting one to call. I'm not sure how it's going to go. So is trebling up on Leeds the right thing? Or actually, if you have two Leeds players already, are you better off looking at Fulham instead? Yeah, good, good question. I mean, I listened to Scoutcast the other night and, and Seb, obviously as a Leeds fan, had, had a really good take on, on kind of all of this stuff. Uh, I mean, the stats Rafinha posts are just unbelievable I, I would I would actually argue you've been very lucky <laughs> I have been to, I definitely have it's definitely <laughs> not, not. So we've got burnt by that yeah and I think as a, as a captain pick he's someone that I'm I'm really considering this week because are you when you when, when you've got a player with those kind of underlying stats and I, I know I know Fulham have been better defensively and it's interesting because a few months ago this would have been a no-brainer this would have been three leads bang captain they're going to win this totally. 4-0 no one's yeah. going to argue but now it does it does seem a lot a lot tighter um, but to me, Rafina, I think is is the standout. Is the standout across all 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 the games. I think he's he's the one who ha- I think has the biggest potential because these, these games are tricky, right? Like we're going to talk about them all in, in a bit more detail. But Very tough. I I don't see I don't see massive wins for or high scoring games in in any of these. I think the game that probably does have the biggest potential to to be high scoring is this Leeds game. Yeah. Um, and although we haven't really seen it from either side, like we don't see Fulham conceding loads of goals, and we haven't seen Leeds scoring loads of goals. This could be the one where you know things kind of come 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 a bit different. It's just a feeling I get. The, the stats don't really back up. But if that does happen, <laughs> then it's this Rafina for me that's going to really benefit. I think it's interesting. It's he he's slightly more appealing to me with Bamford back. I think if Bamford makes it, which is looking more and more mm. likely that he's going to, then that does make it a bit of a. He's the one I think for me with Rafina that I'm kind of like now. What do I do about him? Do I go? Okay, it's time that I've got to invest in him but I'm not convinced that I want three leads going forward. And this is where my kind of, I'm torn because for this week, I think, yeah, I could have, I could go into it with Dallas Rafina and Lee and Bamford. And that feels like it will be quite template for leads picks. It feels like those will be the ones that if you're going to pick three leads, they're the three you're probably likely to take, take a punt on. Dallas, not necessarily for a clean sheet really, because I think Fulham have got it in them to score in this game, but because of his attacking threat that he has going alongside mm. that but Rafina just every time I watch him I, I watch to be honest I do watch behind the sofa and I do think I've been lucky to get away with not having him so far because he looks great the balls are great Surely you want him for 30 though. I'm quite happy to have him for 30 yeah yeah I'm quite happy to have three leads for mm. 30 um, and then obviously beyond that I don't think I'd want three but then I'm wild carding out of that so it's fine yeah. to lose them and, and I actually think when I think about it, I think Rafina might be one that actually stays in the wild card. It might be Bamford that yeah. ends up going. Yeah. It might be a bit of a change in formation that's that's required because Bamford has been less impressive over the last few weeks. That's for sure. And I think, you know, there are ways that you, I might fancy restructuring my team to put a little bit more money into the forward positions rather than in the well, midfield. He's, he's, he's been the one that, that, that a, lot of, a lot of managers have been benching, uh, Bamford. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people have got, a lot of people have got the triple up, like I have Dallas, Rafinha and Bamford, and they're the, they're the three. I mean, I don't think we need to waste too much time considering other options because I think no, they are just the just most them. sensible most sensible ones. Um, and, you know, it's, it's Bamford. What People don't really want to take three leads into every game they play. The West Ham game no. is a good example. I think everyone sends that's going to be really tricky. So it was Bamford mm. that, was, that was being benched. And, and this week as well, I had Bamford on my bench. Yeah, ended I up coming too. on with his one-pointer. But, yep. you know, it's Rafinha <laughs> that's, that's starting. So if, if I'm picking one of those two going forward, I'm, I agree with you. It's Rafinha for me. Yeah. Okay. What about Fulham then? Uh, they've been really impressive. It's, the change in them has been phenomenal. They they made some really good signings, particularly Anderson. 
uh, in January. It's made a massive difference defensively. They've been a lot mm. more solid. They've been better going forward. To me, they look like the most likely to get out of the bottom three and and survive if they can continue that. playing how they are at the moment. I don't think you'll I'm go not. down. I'm totally convinced that Brighton are going to be fine. But I think if anything, it might be Newcastle that switches places with them. They just look like they're on a on a downward spiral. But Fulham, Fulham look like they've got a bit of fight in them at the moment. And, and that makes me kind of question this game because I think Fulham will look at this and they'll think, you know, we beat in Liverpool. We should be able to beat a side that we know well in Leeds. Whilst the Fulham side has changed a lot over the last, well, couple mm. of months, the Leeds side really hasn't. It's still the same side that they're used to playing against. So Fulham will know roughly what they're going to be coming up against against Leeds. And I'm looking at players like Lookman and Madger up top. And um, also in defence, I think defensively they look solid. Whether they keep a clean sheet or not is the difficulty because their, mm. their defenders don't have as much attacking threat as, say, the likes of Creswell and Dallas do. So there may be a difficult investment, but the keeper looks like a nice, a nice option. Mm. He will make saves in that game. Leeds will put in balls and he will get save points. I'm absolutely sure of that. So if you were going to go for a Fulham player, who would be your number one kind of target for this week? Yeah, the the, the, pro- the problem with Fulham is is the goals. Is, is yeah. who's going to score the goals? And and obviously Parker's taken Mitrovic out of the team, and and he's got a system that works really well now with more pressing, more energy. Um, and 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 Lookman, for example, is someone I brought in a while ago, and he's looked, he's a really good, but hasn't yes. delivered. I mean, he he got eleven points in twenty five. He's blanked in every game. Uh, around that right until game week 19 when he got seven so you know you're talking about what 10 out of 11 games in which he's blanked blanked in and this is a player who looks promising but isn't delivering on it so you know that's that's the kind of frustration you get with a lot of their kind of attacking assets I think the the, the keeper is the one for me that 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 I agree that I I think is is the best option because he's busy makes loads of saves they look decent defensively um, and you know, if you if you have got a kind of a double, you've got Pope, for example, and you don't have another keeper, and you're looking for a keeper to get in, I think um, Ariola is 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 a really strong strong pick. There's no one else really that that I'd like the look of. I mean, Aina no. looks good. Um, he's he's probably defended with the most chance of attacking returns. Marja, I mean, he exploded on the scene, didn't he? Thirteen points against yeah. Everton, but not done a, lot a full since. striker. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure they're going to deliver enough over the next two weeks. I think Leeds, Leeds is a tricky one, and I, I, I am backing Leeds to to win that game. Mm. I'm hoping they win that game, um, and then they go into is it Villa the next the next game? Yeah, Villa I, next, I don't yeah. think Marge is going to. He's not going to. He's not going to get huge returns. I don't think in those two. No, so I think you're right, and I think hard, you know hard to hard to predict. It's difficult, isn't it, with Fulham? I think because for most people going into this game week well, over 40% of managers anyway, they have Martinez as a keeper that they just have. And therefore it doesn't make any sense to spend points bringing in another keeper because you're probably not going to have, unless you've got already a team of 11 and you've got a free transfer, then you might think about getting in someone like Cariola just to give you a better keeper Mm. option. Well, one with potentially a clean sheet, but then I think even then I'd probably look at Sanchez at Brighton rather than Ariola, just because the clean sheet looks more likely in that Brighton game than it does against Leeds. So, but if you're free hitting and you're looking for a keeper, I don't think Martinez is the best pick this time around. I think Sanchez, Ariola, one of those two probably looks like a decent option because whilst... I think Ariola's potentially got the highest ceiling because he's he's going to be busy. So if they do manage to keep a clean sheet, 
Yeah. Yeah. There'll be clean. There'll definitely be save points for him in that game. I cannot see that there's not save points because Leeds will, they will attack. That's what Leeds do. So there will be opportunities for save points for him. If he manages to keep a clean sheet, then there's going to be bonus points for him too, because by the time you add together the saves that he's going to have. So he could have the highest ceiling. Sanchez is probably, given Newcastle, we'll go into this game in a minute, but given Newcastle don't have a lot of attacking threat right now, he's probably not likely to get as many save points. And therefore, it's potentially the Brighton defenders I would expect to get the bonus points if a clean sheet is kept and there's not many goals scored going forward. So I think there are good keeper options and Areola potentially is the one from Fulham that I would look at. Now, without a free hit and having Martinez already... I've got my transfers getting some more outfield players. So he's mm. going to sit. But I think mm. if I was free hitting, he'd be one that I would have a little look at, yeah. definitely. I'd agree. Let's talk about Brighton then. I've got the Brighton expert in. So oh, you're the... People keep asking me about this. <laughs> for a lot of pressure. Oh, so this is the game, I think, that all managers are looking at going, clean sheets, clean sheets, clean sheets. Because actually, you talk about the rest of the games. We've mentioned Fulham and Leeds already, but afterwards we've got West Ham and Arsenal and then Aston Villa and Spurs. All of those games look like they've got goals in them. So when you're trying to pick a keeper, if you're free hitting or a defence, if you're free hitting, or just actually a defence, if you're not free hitting, because that's where most people are lacking players for this week. It's lack of defenders. Most people have players like Creswell um, and Dallas, but Mm. then they're looking to top that up with at least one other. And this game is the one that I think most people are looking at. Brighton defensively have actually been really, really good of late. Although they haven't kept a clean sheet in the last four, the opportunities that they're giving the oppositions that they're coming against are, are few and far between. And, and I think, you know, I wrote down, they've given up the fewest shots in the league in the last four with 26. The next closest is Chelsea with 36, which is a big difference, right? So I'm looking at this Brighton side. Now, I was saying to you before, didn't I, that about three or four weeks ago, I, I really wanted to buy Lewis Dunk, but I couldn't afford to buy Dunk and Kane at the same time. I was 0.1 short, which annoyed me a lot. Uh, and in the end, I kind of I thought, right, well, it comes down to a choice then between Veltman and Ben White or Dan Byrne. And I ruled Dan Byrne out, but I can't really tell you why, but I'm quite glad I did now with the injury that he's got going into this game. Mm. So it came down to a choice between the security of Ben White and the more attacking threat of Joel Veltman. And I messaged Jules Breach from the FPL show and I said, Jules, as a resident Brighton expert, talk to me about Tyreek Lamptey, because if he comes back, what are the ramifications for the Brighton defence? Who mm. is it that loses their spot? Because I cannot bring in a player thinking about 29 only to find Lamptey appears back on the scene and I have a defender that's not playing anymore. And in the end, I came down to the decision that I just needed safety. I couldn't have dunks. I couldn't afford him. So I'd go white. Now with the Lamptey um, surgery that he's now got to have or has maybe had, obviously mm. Veltman is definitely keeping his spot. So I think he's a nice option, but but Dunk seems to be the standout, right? If you're going for a Brighton defender, you could just go Dunk. Yeah? Mm. If you're going it for a Brighton like- player, you go for Dunk. <laughs> I, think, I think he's... he's. I, I said, I, whenever anyone asks me this, they've asked me this, been asking me for this for weeks. I said, if you've got the money, Dunk is is he's, he's the best. I mean, Veltman, yeah. Veltman has, 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 been, has played really well, but I think Dunk is honestly our main attacking threat. I mean, he's... We've got all these players in the team. Trossard, we've got Gross... Uh, we've got players that that can cross a ball and and find him, and he's he's just shown kind of season after season that he's mm-hmm. he's he's got this this ability to score 
and important goals as well. He's the captain. He, yeah. you know, he's Brighton through and through. And he's he's if anyone's going to be hurting about where Brighton are in the league, it's going to be him. So I wasn't surprised at all to see him score that goal against Southampton because it means just yeah. means everything to him to stay up. And it's such a big win for us. Newcastle is just. I mean, we should win. We should win. Newcastle, like you say, they're on the slide. Yeah. Brighton are playing well. I think we've got like one of the lowest um, XG conceded in the whole league over the whole season, but we still yeah. find a way to concede stupid goals. <laughs> and it's happened, it's happened all year. And we find, you know, I've never, I've never seen a team like Brighton this year in the league that can no. play so well, defend so well, attack so well, create so many chances, and yet yeah. be in a I relegation totally battle. I it's, totally it's, agree. It's, I mean, you know, on another season, I, I, if we had someone who could finish, I honestly think we would be well easily in the top 10 we've been eight, yeah. eighth and ninth eighth and ninth in the league the, the way we play Brighton but are one of those not. teams and... that I've really enjoyed watching this season I watch the Brighton games every week and every week I'm like how how have you not won this game how have you conceded in this game if you had a decent striking option I think you will be up there probably level with Spurs like it's it's just yeah. one of those things because your defence is so much more solid than ours is this game I think has got Brighton, it should be a Brighton win. It, it, on paper, everything leads me to think that Brighton should win this game. But could it end up being nil-nil? The last time I saw you at the FPL show, we had a, a long conversation, <laughs> didn't we? Because it was just ahead of Brighton and Aston Villa. And I said, I think this game's got nil-nil all over it because Aston Villa don't have Grealish, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it finished nil-nil. Or how it finished nil-nil, I don't know, because that Martinez goal led the charmedest life I've ever seen. But I think this game... There is potential it goes the same way that you the Newcastle goal leads a very well, you, charmed Sam, eye. You've said it. You, you, you've got a good eye. You've got a good eye for these things. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree. I think the key thing is you've got to remember we can't lose this. You can't lose like, it. This no. is, we can't lose. If we draw, I would say that's the worst result for Newcastle because I think given the the situations of the two, I know uh, Newcastle got Wilson back. I think he's doing individual training. He's going to be massive for them coming back. But mm. if we're going if we're going into the end of the season run on kind of equalish points. You've got to fancy Brighton for it. Yeah, 100%. If Newcastle win this, though, then I think that creates a whole new thing. Brighton is just purely about, if it's nil-nil, I wouldn't, I want us I want us to win, obviously, but if it is nil-nil, I don't think that's a completely It's not a bad result for you, is it? Result. And I, I think no. that's the thing, is that both sides will look at this with the, with the attitude that you just have. We cannot lose this game. Like, we Can't cannot lose, lose this game. So it could be a cagey affair, this one. Um, which is why I think investment in the Brighton defence looks wise. And if you really must invest in a Newcastle player, then you're probably also looking at a defender, probably someone like Lascelles, um, if you want to go somewhere different. But I think the defence makes a good option. But somebody that has impressed me going forward is Lalana. Now, Lalana, I know, is very injury prone. And if I mentioned this mm. to Lee, he'd go, you can't invest in Lalana in the same way that he said about Matip, because as soon as you do the risk of, a reoccurrence or a flare-up of an injury happens. But the last few games watching Lallana, I, I think he's been impressive. He's added a bit of a different dynamic to the to the team and to the way that you play. Um, I don't know. He's one that keeps popping out at me. Every time I look at my team, given I'm, I've got some defenders already, so I'm kind of looking at some midfield players. And he's one I keep looking at thinking, I would quite like to take a bit of a punt on Lallana for this week. And I also think that longer term... Brighton are the sort of side that I do want to invest in because you're going to have something to fight for right until the end of the season. And, and those are the sort of clubs that look like decent options. Even if the fixtures are a bit tough, you know, the fight is going to be there. Whereas you might not be able to say that about some of the other sides that 
that we have to deal with over the next few weeks. Lalana, yeah, so interested? Lalana, yeah. I mean, uh, he, this is the fittest he's been at mm. Brighton. And I mean, that isn't saying much because he hasn't, <laughs> hasn't really been fit at all. Uh, but you can just see, you can see the way he plays and the way he's he's running and the way he's, you know, he's not getting subbed off early anymore. And he's not with Lalana, you can see it. He, you know, he'll 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 run for a ball and he'll just wince a bit, and you'll be like, oh no, this is it. Here it goes. Go <laughs> he might carry on. Yeah, but he he, he seems he seems to be in quite a good place now. I think the he makes Brighton a better team because he is, he is a really, really classy player. Mm. And he's also, he's also like leadership wise as well. He's, it's, it's, we need that kind of a bit further up the pitch because Dunk is great at marshalling defence and getting everyone. But the, yeah. the problem of our season has been composure up front. And I think Lalana there pulling the strings, orchestrating things, shouting at, at players, I think is, should hopefully help us a little bit with, with that. I haven't really seen it too much, but I, I get the sense that having that kind of up the pitch is, is going to help take a bit of the burden off dunk to really kind of get these players motivated, drum that up and, and get them kind of firing. The issue is, is I just think Trossard is a better pick. I think, okay. um, you know, I think looking at how Brighton set up in the second half of that Southampton game, Lana dropped deeper and it, the, the system changed to try and get the most out of Trossard. Mm. And he was picking up the space. He was the one having the shots. Yeah, He's been a real disappointment actually since he signed. So I really thought he was going to be, uh, a really, really strong player that would, would feature in a lot of our teams. I'm hoping that the second half of the season is, is going to see that because I think he's he's got quality in him. It's just about unlocking it in the right way. And I yeah. think we could see that um, over the next few weeks. So he's someone I'm, I'm thinking of this week. Trossard, over uh, Lana for me. Oh, you see, yeah. It's tough, this one, isn't it? Because I keep looking at Brighton and think, I've got, as I mentioned already, I've got Ben White. I'm quite happy to own him for the clean sheet that I think he's going to get. I'm going to spend my life wishing he was Lewis Dunk, but hey, I, I'm in the Ben White camp now and I'm not I'm not going to get out of the Ben White camp to get in. It doesn't make any sense to take out a player. I could double up, of course. That is that is an option. I could go double Brighton defence. But then there's Sanchez as well to consider and a lot of people will be looking at the goalkeeper as a, as a double up if you want to do that. But with the going forward players, Trossard, Lilana, I look at Lilana and I'm, I'm really tempted. But then I look at, the next fixture on the schedule, the West Ham Arsenal game, and think Jesse Lingard, to me, looks so much more mm. certain to get FPL points. And whilst I would really like to take a punt on somebody like Lilana, if I do that, that means I'm going to be taking a points hit. And is a points hit for somebody like Trossard and Lilana guaranteed to bring returns? I'm not convinced it is. But Jesse Lingard, on the other hand, I'm fairly sure is going to return in this game. I thought that without him in the game in 28, that West Ham really missed him. They looked a bit blunt, actually, without him. I think, you know, we spoke before about Antonio and how Antonio was, you know, looking a bit tired all the mm. time. He gets about 60 minutes, looks, looks tired. But Jesse Lingard, it's almost like this is the beginning of his season. He's in great form. He's full flow. He's a you know, he's doing everything right. He's got real points to prove at the moment. He's returned in five of his six games since he joined West Ham. He's returned in each of his last four games that he's played for them. Super, super impressive. And he's one that I'm looking at. And you said before about, you know, differential captain picks with Rafina. Mm. Jesse Lingard, for me, is the one that I think if if I didn't have Harry Kane in my side, I would captain Jesse Lingard in this game. Wow. I've never heard such a passionate, like... I never but thought I'd be passionate about, about Jesse Lingard. I never I thought this would happen. I don't know where it's come from, 
But every time I've watched him since he's joined West Ham, and I think that game against Spurs was like a just, it was like, oh, wow, where's this player been? Like, where has mm. this player been? And you speak to some Manchester United fans and they go, yeah, but it's always been in him to be like this. He's just never really got going. Whereas mm. he's come to to West Ham and they've kind of gone, all right, then in you go. I do yeah. think that he's had a bit of a negative effect on Suchek and in the positions that Suchek takes up because Suchek had been phenomenal for large parts mm. of this season. But if I was free hitting this week, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Suchek. I'd just get- I think he's clear of Suchek now for sure. Yeah, I yeah. think you know, I, I think it was uh it was very disappointing the the United game because yeah, I think Moyes panics a bit when he when he plays in these in these bigger games and he, <laughs> he sets teams up not to lose. And yeah. I think what what West Ham have, uh, why West Ham have been doing so well is because of the amount of creativity they've had. So yeah, when they've had Lingard, Benrahma, Antonio, you know, that's four nails, all these guys, they've they've created chances and they've it's put them on the front foot. Whereas, yeah. no disrespect to Mark Noble, but as soon as you stick Mark Noble in the team and you've got Mark Noble so much and, more defensive. And, and Suchek, it just, I it, it's, the energy just isn't there. The same, that, that same attacking intent to push teams back I isn't agree. there. And once I saw that lineup, I was like, oh, this, is gonna be, this is probably going to be a fairly comfortable routine United win. And it was. Mm. So it's going to be really interesting to know what, what Moyes does because he's got options of how he wants to set the team up. And what does he choose to do against Arsenal? Is it another kind of negative game like that where I think Arsenal probably run out? winners of that fairly comfortably or does he go for it a bit more and does he learn from that United game and and, and mm. set them up like they have been doing so well and if he does do that then I think they cause Arsenal real problems so it's a it's tricky one it is it's tough this game because I, I think this game has got if they if they go for it and play in the way that I think they will I think West Ham win this game uh, I, mm. I, I certainly think they score in this game. So it puts me off investing in the likes of Tierney in the Arsenal defence because I just can't see a clean sheet. And the way that Arsenal are sometimes, we saw it against Villa, like they just don't quite get going. They did against Spurs. They were they were really good against Spurs. And, you know, in some ways that makes me want to kind of invest in them. But then I'm always a bit cautious that we've seen other games from Arsenal this season where they just haven't. And I think West Ham will look at this fixture and go, we need to, we need to go for this one. Like we need to go out there. They are top four rivals because they, you know, if we're keeping all of these players in the, in the top four race, or at least the European mm. spots race, West Ham will look at this as more than just a derby. It's more than just a London derby. It's, a, it's all about league position and they can finish above Arsenal, which will be the first time in, well, I can't remember the yeah. last time West Ham had such a good season as they are currently having. Um, and I, I'm quite kind of confident. So I'm going to be going into this game with three West Ham players. So I have Creswell, who's just been phenomenal. And I can't imagine going into this game week without. He's the set piece potential he has is ridiculous. His ability to get attacking returns in games where I'm not expecting them to come. You can't, he's one of those players that in normal weeks, I, I would never bench him because the chances of him popping up with a set piece free kick are just as good as him keeping a clean sheet and whilst longer term the West Ham fixtures aren't great I still think I will keep him he's a great option well straight into that Wolves game as well next week so Mm. if you are looking at at getting him or or Sufal or or Dawson maybe you've got you've got you know if you don't get anything against Arsenal I think you're going into a pretty good game against against Wolves as well so yeah yeah, uh, Creswell is I keep finding ways not to get him his price keeps going up and up and up but no some point I've just got to accept that he is a six million defender now and I should probably at least consider him. 
Brilliant. He's great. <laughs> he he really is, and he's really nice to own as well because whenever he does anything, it it really helps rank because he's still yeah. not as highly owned as he should be. So anytime he does anything, it's kind of like the boost that it gives me to my overall rank yeah, is yeah. huge. Um, so I'm going to have him, I'm going to have Suchek, and I'm going to have Lingard for this game. Now, Antonio is one that I think, you know, he's going to, he is popular. He's, he's quite highly owned in the game. But as we've mentioned, he gets to about 60 minutes and seems to just not have anything left in the tank. And that worries me a little bit about Antonio. I, I do kind of have the fear of him. Now, there's always scope that he's going to do something, but I feel like of of all of the attacking players at West Ham at the moment, Lingard is probably the most likely to do something. Would you agree with that? Or you still think Antonio is a better option? Depends what Antonio we get. If we get if we get the Antonio that we've seen in glimpses this season and, and a lot of last season, the one that can really bully defenders, harass players, charge through, you know, so strong, so fast, mm. then, then I'd back him. But that feels like a bit of a kind of wishful thinking because I think you're right. I haven't seen, I just haven't seen that from him over the last few weeks since, since he's come back from like another kind of injury that, that he's had. So I'd agree. I think Lingard, Lingard is the most attacking player mm-hmm. in that side. And if I was going to pick one now, it would be him. That makes me feel a bit more confident. Maybe mm. I'll just get him and Lalana then, just in case Lalana does something yeah. mental. We've well, got to get Lalana now. now, you, now you, you know. <laughs> just... the, the thing with Lalana, it's a punt, but like it's a punt that you're going to work on in a few weeks anyway. So now's the time to, to take a risk and get some. I and mean, if Lalana exactly. bangs in a, a goal, a couple imagine? of goals, that's going to do wonders for you. Can you also imagine if he, if I don't do it and he does that? If Lallana oh, gets a brace and I've not brought him in, I'll never let him down. the problem with I... doing these, Sam. Once you say something like this, you've I got to know, do it. Because as... if you don't, oh <laughs> i know been there, been there too many times a nightmare i've got two free transfers so it is doable i mean one of them was uh, the plan this week was to do bail and lingard that was what i was doing and then of course we'll talk about spurs in a bit more detail in a minute but i sort of went off the bail idea a little bit after the the derby at the weekend and then i was kind of like well do i go with the bamiang instead then but i just I, I find this west ham arsenal game really really difficult so I keep looking at that side thinking, I just don't know how I feel about Aubameyang. He's sometimes brilliant, sometimes not. He's Arsenal, sometimes great, sometimes not. Smith-Rowe looks good, but will he always start? Like, is there potential he gets benched? I don't see a clean sheet. So if I'm, what am Mm. I betting on with Tierney? Am I just betting on some attacking returns? Well, then if I'm just thinking about attacking returns, maybe Udegaard is better option. Lacazette, will he start? Will he not start? Like, Arsenal feel like a minefield they've to me they are the of all of these they are the hardest team to pick players from because I just don't I don't know if we can be sure who and who Arteta starts given that they've got the Europa League tonight Thursday evening I don't know who the best investment is at Arsenal is my honest approach to this I I keep going back to Aubameyang but I think that's in part because I've got so much money in the bank that I feel I should spend it Rather yeah. than maybe just go for somebody like Smith Rowe, who looks really nice at, but is really cheap, and I'd have twenty million in the bank or something ridiculous. The thing, the good thing about Bamiang is he, he could play up front, and then yeah. and then you've got an out of position Arsenal classified midfielder playing up front, and that to me makes him makes him the best option. Mm. Um, yeah, it is it it is it is it is a tough one. Uh, I think defensively, as I said, defensively, I, I don't think there is anyone that I'd, I'd really be considering. To me, it's between. It's between Aubameyang and, and, and Udegaard for me. Mm. I do like Smith Rowe, but 
Odegaard just has that that role in the team where he just kind of finds his pockets of space and then you know Fred's balls in and he he just seems to be now becoming that kind of like advanced playmaker who's just making stuff happen and making stuff mm-hmm. tick. And I think for FPL wise, that kind of player is is normally normally kind of gold and he's cheap and it's like 5.9 or something so yeah absolute bargain price as well that's the other thing isn't it is that people will be doing Salah to whoever and there is therefore that tendency to you know sort the game by affordability and therefore have everybody and so you kind of look at the top and go Aubameyang, Bale they're they're, they're going to be the top two that come up in that list of replacements that are playing this week and sometimes that does mean that you neglect players like yeah Odegaard or Lingard that we talked about already. But it feels wrong having six million in your bank. Doesn't it? Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's, that's, that's the that's long sure of it. If, and if players didn't have any value, you might look somewhere else, but they do, and you don't want to look like you're you know you're an idiot because you've got all this money and not, not yeah. doing anything with it. Particularly if then a Bamiang or Bale goes and bangs in this game week, because then people will go, Well, you had the money, you know, why didn't you just invest in that premium option. Yeah. I, I think it kind of makes sense to talk about Aubameyang alongside Bale because for most FPL managers, that's going to be the decision that they're going to be making. Are we going to do, do we go with the Arsenal guy or do we go with the Spurs guy? Now, this is a hard one for me because Gareth Bale is hero worshipped in my brain. So not going <laughs> for Bale and going for Aubameyang feels almost sacrilegious. Like it's just something that I, I should never do as a Spurs fan. But I look at these two fixtures and I don't think either of them is easy. I think Aston Villa will put, this is a tough game for Spurs. Um, they're going to probably have cash back for this week and that will make a big difference. So they're going to, they're going to be back to being full strength across the back of their, their defence. Martinez is what Martinez is this season. He's an unbelievable shot, shot stopper. So from that point of view, it's not going to be an easy week for Spurs, particularly if we don't see Sun, which we're not expecting to. We'll see a different Spurs, probably a Spurs. Now Lamella is suspended with Deli Alley in the starting 11. That's what I think is going to happen this weekend. I think we'll see Deli Alley replace Sun. We could potentially see Bale swap sides and Bergvine play instead. I guess we're going to get some ideas from what happens in the Europa League on Thursday evening. If I was to kind of put you on a fence and say pick between Aubameyang and Bale, what would you do? Yeah, I kind of said it earlier. I I love Bale. I've, he is he is someone that I really wanted to start seeing hit some form. But like I said, I, I just never, I just don't get the sense that Mourinho likes him <laughs> that, mm. that much. And <laughs> and and for me, you know, the the son injury should be okay. Now Bale is now because it was between those two. I think mm-hmm. as to which midfield he go for. Maybe Mora is is has been playing quite well, but I still think it's, chance, it's still between yeah. those two. Yeah. But Son's injury weakens Spurs considerably for a start. Does, Take out yep. Son and Kane from that team and, and your shadow of the team that, that you are. 100%. And I just I just I just think Villa are a team that can frustrate. And as soon as Spurs start getting frustrated, his bow goes off. Yeah. Because he's yep. in effect because he, he he's either he's either going to be the player that grabs the grabs the game by the scruff and, and drives you forwards, bangs in two goals and you win it comfortably, or he's going to be on the sidelines, not really getting the ball. Like we saw in, in in your in your last game against Arsenal, he barely had a kick. He looked he looked yeah. completely. He was out of it. it totally out of it. Yeah, completely. So he's he's a risk. Whereas I think Aubameyang has got a bit more going for him because I think they've got he's got that that ability to play up front. And you look at the players around him with with Smith Rowe and Udegaard, uh, and the creative 
players they've got that can bring him into the game and really unlock teams. I just think Arsenal have got more of that than, than Spurs mm. have got. Whereas with Bale, you're relying on him to do it himself. And he's just so hit and miss in, in, in terms of him being able to do that or not. So he's yeah. a bigger gamble for me. I think Aubameyang is, is, is a safer pick, personally. Interesting. Not what you wanted to hear, I'm sure. Well, uh, no, but it is sort of what I'm thinking, to be honest. It, it is the sort of conversation that I've been having with myself. now. And penalties think, as well for Aubameyang, too. Yeah, of course. And that does make a big difference because, of course, Kane, unless something major happens in the Europa League, he's going to be playing and therefore he's going to be on penalties. And Bear won't even take all the free kicks because we all know that Harry Kane loves to take one himself yeah. from time to time. So, you know, there, there, is, there is different kind of pros and cons, I think, to owning Bear and owning Aubameyang. I'm not. I'm still not quite sure which way I'll go on it. Um, is the reality, but I think this Aston Villa Spurs game is probably going to be the one where the majority of managers are most highly invested because most people have already got Martinez yep. and either another Aston Villa defender or Watkins or all of them. So you're either going to be tripled up on um, Aston Villa or you'll be at least doubled on Spurs because most people have already got Kane and or Son, Bale, a combination of those three. Yep. Grealish should be back for this game sort of expecting to see Grealish play in this one the the stuff we've heard from Dean Smith seemed to be suggesting that he was fit for last time around but then got ill and that's why he missed out in in game week 28 so with Traore potentially now missing through injury and but the potential that Grealish is back that does make Aston Villa look like a much much better option doesn't it in terms Mm -hmm. of the attacking potential that they have what does that mean for the Spurs defence? Because for a lot of people, they'll be looking at the Spurs defenders thinking, you know, particularly Regulion, could I, is there, is there a player there that I could take a bit of a chance on? Very lowly owned, definitely got some attacking threat in him. Outside chance of a clean sheet because Villa aren't scoring a number, they haven't scored a lot of goals, particularly if Grealish isn't there, there's the outside chance of a clean sheet. I think it's it's very outside mm. chance, to be honest. I don't think it will happen. I think Villa will score in this game. But there's an outside chance that there's a clean sheet. Regulion, interested? I mean, the trouble is, I mean, if he starts if he starts tonight, starts against Villa, is he going to yeah. start against Newcastle? Does he miss one of these games? Which one does he start? That's the problem with having Ben Davies there. He's, you know, he kind of comes in and out of the team a fair bit. I mean, Spurs mm-hmm. defensively, I don't know why Mourinho insists on on parking the bus with the defense that you've got because <laughs> it just it's just not good enough at all. And, no, they're not. You know, he's he's gonna he's gonna have to make some changes. I think in the, in the summer to get, to get it in more in line with with how he how he wants it to be because yeah, I don't fancy you to keep a clean sheet in any in any match. If I'm no, being honest. I agree. I just, I just don't see any solidity at all. Greenish back is gonna is gonna make things a lot better for for Villa if it happens. But even without him, I still think Watkins can cause trouble because he's such a busy player. He's just going to harass your centre-backs constantly. The right ball comes to him. I mean, he'll probably hit the post or get it rolled out for VAR because that seems to be what, what happens to him every week. But <laughs> he's yeah, the kind no, of player that if, if, if for Spurs defenders, I think that kind of busybody up front is, is going gonna, is gonna to really them. Annoy, annoy them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I fancy Villa to score, actually. I do. I, I do. I think this game has got goals for both sides in it because I, I, I also think that Spurs are now looking at these sorts of matches going, we have to win these. I think Marino learned quite a lot. Uh, and Lee and I had this discussion on our live stream on Sunday night. I'm not convinced that that was Mourinho's tactic on Sunday of that deep sit back yeah. that he did in the first half. I'm not convinced that that was what Mourinho told them to do. The players that he sent out onto that pitch 
were not the players that you send out onto that pitch if you've told them to sit back and hold a defensively secure line. If he was doing that, he sends out the likes of Eric Dyer, he sends out the likes of Sanchez, he's he's not going to send out Son, Bale, Kane, Mora, Regulion. You know, you're more likely to play Ben Davis if you want to be a bit more defensively solid. So I think that was a bit more of a, I don't want to say a nerves thing, but I think there was a bit of a kind of, let's just ease ourselves into the game from the players themselves. Marino's annoyance on the bench was clear. Like he was furious for most of that first mm. half. And I think he said a couple of times and, and Kane and um, the bigger players have come out and said, you know, this isn't something that Mourinho is telling us to do. The, the boss doesn't tell us to park the bus. He tells us to play, but we somehow end up parking the bus now, I think he goes to Villa Park this weekend and says, you you cannot pop. You have to go and play. You have to attack. Now, whether that works without Son, we'll find out. I think he's likely to play Deli Ali instead. I don't think he'll play Bergwijn. I think the way he'll set up is to keep Bale where he is and to play Deli Ali in Son's position without Lamella being there. But I actually think that the loss of Lamella is quite big as well because he would have just gone and harried. Aston Villa and been mm. annoying to them and would have potentially been a bit of a difference in a way that I don't see Deli Ali doing. He has got other options. It doesn't have to be Deli, of course, but I, I just think he probably will be. So if you're really rogue on a free hit up in the eight, you know, eight million category in, in the world, then take a punt on Deli yeah, Ali for one. this week. <laughs> Maybe. But I think this game is quite tough to call. I don't see clean sheets for either of them. Yeah, most people will have Martinez in goal. Um, and I think the the likelihood is that the, the most highly captain player comes out of this game too, because I think Harry Kane is likely to be the one that most managers give the armband to. You're yeah, thinking, no, I agree. You're, I, you're not thinking about. I mean, that, I like. Mm, I mean, I like Mora. I like I like Mora. If if I was going to take a pun, maybe maybe over maybe over Ali. I just thought Mora. He's not a he's player who. I've, yeah, he's not a player I well. particularly liked in in the past, apart from his hat trick against Ajax, which is probably the greatest moment of football I've ever seen. Um, in my life but in the last few games he seems to be kind of carrying the torch a bit for, for Mourinho and mm-hmm. the one's actually trying to make things happen more than but a bit like what Bale did a couple of weeks ago when he, yeah, when he yeah. was really going for it more is kind of stepping into that but just doesn't really have the same quality obviously that, that Bale's got the trouble I mean the trouble with with Mourinho the trouble with Spurs in general is you're always going to look like you're parking the bus when your main striker drops into defensive midfield to yeah. orchestrate attacks to, to play as a centre-back at times and that's what that's just what Kane does now. You accept it. It's part of his. It's part of his role. It's part of what he obviously likes to do. It's different managers he's done it under, and it's happening more and more. Um, but I think that kind of that I think that is what has the effect on the team. You, they, you see your captain and, and striker dropping back deep, and you instinctively come back. I think to to yeah. drop in as well. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think since since Bale has come back to starting matches, and when Bale does start matches over the last kind of four, four or five weeks, four weeks. Um, Harry Kane is top for penalty area touches for Spurs. That's the first time he's been top for penalty area touches for Spurs for a very, very long time. And I think that's because the way that when Bale and Son are both there, he is he has that a bit more mm. kind of ability to stay up top. But without one of them there, he will naturally come deeper and it, it does have an impact. And I, I think not having Son there will affect Kane. But I still think that most managers will look at that game and go, of all of these players that I've got this week in terms of form, he's got five attacking returns in his last four, Kane. And I know he's been disappointing in a couple of game weeks, in particular in the London derby, but 
he was unlucky not to score right at the death of that game. You know, the free kick that came off the post. Yeah. There was a couple of opportunities where I thought, how have, how have you not scored? Villa will give him a couple of opportunities. Martinez will probably have another worldie because he does. He, love, he loves a bit of a worldie this season. But I think I'm unlikely to look anywhere else other than Kane for the armband, if I'm really honest. I think he's the obvious choice. Lingard's my second pick. He'll be my vice-captain this week. I think he's he's got some good, good stats behind him to back him up. But... I think it's too risky to take it off Kane this week. I feel like I think I think Kane's a Kane's a solid choice. Yeah. Before I let you go, I think um, let's just have a little chat about the minimum number of players that we need because that's going to be a big thing. Most managers out there are going to be going, you know, I was setting up okay, but then I've got flags on players like Sun and Bamford and and Traore, and we've kind of spoken about them already. But if you've not got your free hit and you're just going into this game week, what's kind of the minimum number in your mind that you think that's the number of players that you need? for this week i think considering the the game none of the games look particularly amazing i think mm. we can we can be a little bit less stringent in how many players that we feel is, is necessary i think if you've got eight or nine of the main guys solid guys yeah. i think i think that's fine i think eight if you've got the likes of lingard um you know the three leads players maybe a bamiyang there kane and stuff and you've got mm. you know eight eight of those guys i think i think you're fine um, I don't. I think hits are hits are an interesting one. I think if you if you're looking to play the wild card in a few weeks, you've got to be looking at these next two games. And I think there is potential for quite a lot of these players to return the the hit back. I think Brighton yeah. aren't one of those teams because they've got United next week. But I think if you're taking hits for Leeds players, Villa players, um, uh, there's a, there's another team with a good game in 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 thirty, uh, which is Spurs players as well. Then you should see that that. That, that points hits be, be returned sort of over those two games. Hmm. So yeah, I think, we... you know, it's double, double side, double side to it, but nine for me is, is about, is about where I'd be happy comfortable being. Yeah. I think when you look on live FPL at the moment, it, and obviously we are on Thursday morning, so we've still got a lot of people that won't have made any transfers yet because they'll be waiting for Europa League action. But at the moment, live FPL has team averages at seven, seven players. Now, some people will play free hits later, of course, and that will have an impact on averages. People will make changes. Like I've got two free transfers this week. I currently have nine players, but one of them is Son and one of them is Bamford. So I, I'm expecting to actually have eight because um, I don't think Son's going to play. So I, I was planning to have 11, but now without a hit, I'll have 10, which feels absolutely fine. I'm quite happy to go into the game week with 10. I don't feel I need a points hit to get to 11 unless I feel really compelled by somebody at the last minute and then I mm. might do it. But I think... You know, a lot of managers keep messaging me going, should I take an eight point hit? Should I take a 12 point hit? Should I take, you know, I've got six players. Should I take a 12 point hit? And I'm like, there is scope in these games that these players only get you two points. If you've taken a four point hit for them, then you're, you're having a negative impact on your rank. And that's just something I think you should consider. You know, if you're talking about a points hit for somebody like Lewis Dunk that we talked about earlier that has so much potential to explode this week with a clean sheet and potentially some bonus points if he gets an attacking return as well you know could we could we have Lewis Dunk get 15 points this week yeah we could is he likely to just get two I don't think so I've said it now haven't I but I don't see Lewis Dunk just getting two players two points I think he'd get more than that and therefore for a player like him it's potentially worth it somebody like Deli Alley is there a chance he just gets one 
yes absolutely so would I be taking a hit for him no I wouldn't and I think that's the thing that you've got to consider isn't it if taking hits is can be useful but it can also be an absolute nightmare and Mm. therefore just be wary of taking too many I think would be my advice would you agree with that does that sound a reason absolutely absolutely and that's that's why I think you know if you look at over two weeks then are you strengthening your team going forward because that that to me is the problem with dunk is dunk doesn't strengthen you in that game week 30 match in fact you're going to probably be wanting to bench him and if you're taking out the likes of Gundogan, Fernandez for a hit, and then going to be looking to bring in those back in in a few weeks, you're having to use transfers. They're going to cost you more money. So yeah. really, we've gone. If you've got Gundogan and Fernandez, you're you're already quite limited in in the kind of attacking players you can bring in for a hit. So if you're looking at taking hits for defenders, straight away you're thinking, well, that 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 player's pretty much got to get a clean sheet just to pay that back. Yeah. Are they going to get an attacking return? Would would I bank? Would I be that certain on Dunk getting an attacking return against Newcastle? Probably not. If I'm looking at, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be taking a hit to bring in to bring in Dunk, given the game he's got next week. Personally, I think the likes of Ali and Trossard and players maybe are a bit more exciting because it's it's if it's effectively costing two points. If it's costing two points for the transfer, yeah, you're either going to get you're either going to lose those two points or you're going to maybe hit something that no one else has got. So mm. I think hits hits for the attacking players are always preferable, I think. Okay. I can't, I can't endorse a hit for dunk. That's, all, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I bet you a lot of people do. I was chatting yeah, to they will. They will. You, and I think he's going to captain Lewis Dunk this week. It's. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that will do those things. And that's the other thing. Braver than me. I think, well, I think that's the other thing for me is I'm looking at, you know, overall rank, which is obviously so important to, to the likes of you and I at the minute trying to just get break that breakthrough and you know if I don't take a hit this week that's going to give me a massive rank boost just because I haven't taken Mm. a hit because so many managers will have you know five or six players and think I really need to take that hit I need I need to get to nine I need to get to 10 or 11 actually sometimes just not taking the hit gives you a nice buffer to start the game week and, and actually that might end up being better. If there was a standout the fixture, if there was a real fixture, you know, if Sheffield United were playing Chelsea, you know, or something, yeah. or, or Man City or something, then I, I would get, I'd be way more on board with taking hits. But there's just nothing that really screams mm. to me, you need to get these players in. There's a real great punt here who I want. I mean, we were talking mm. about Lalana as potentially like the greatest <laughs> punt of the week. You know, there's, I don't think there's that much to get excited about. So yeah, I would, I would try and limit the hits if possible. I'll tell you what, if Lilana braces this week, you know that I am going to be messaging you, don't you? I'm going to be messaging you. You've got a game, you Sam. I told you. You've got oh, a game in. You're just going to get loads of spam of, of gifts of Lilana celebrating <laughs> over the next <laughs> the next few days if Lilana goes mental at the weekend. Yeah. Oh, right. As thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to no talk to you. No problem at all. I will be back after the international break with another scout of the game week. Uh, this time around, I'll be joined by the FPL Experiment guys again. So I'll have Adam, Greg and Nick back with me to look at well, whatever game week 29 ends up looking like, and we're all looking, mm. start looking ahead to game week 30. Talk soon, guys.